Okay, this week we're going to go through uh, Ephesians chapter 5 uh, today and the next two lessons after this over the next couple of weeks and look at some admonitions or encouragement the Bible gives us uh, in the way we live. The, uh, it starts out in Ephesians 5, verse, the first 10 verses like this. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Do not let immorality or any impurity or greed or even be named among you as proper among the saints. And there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting, which is not fitting, but rather giving thanks. For this you know for certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Learning, uh, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. All right, one of the first words I want to focus on in this passage is the word imitators. He encourages us, Paul, to be imitators of God. Now, we've talked in the past about how it's, it's easy to feel like, well, I've got to somehow figure out what would God do if he was here and read the Bible and see how he acted or how Jesus acted in certain situations and try to figure this out on my own. But this is more of an imitation that goes right along with if somebody is doing something, you do it with them at the same time. Um, I'm sure we've all played games that are like that, you know, Simon Says or whatever, and we're trying to uh, stay up with someone so that whatever they're doing, that's what we're doing at the same time. Well, that's more what the idea of imitation here is. It's not trying to just figure out what would happen if God was here and he was doing what he was doing. Because he is here, and he's always doing what he's doing. And it says we do this as beloved children. And that's a very important phrase. It's not just filler between one idea and another one. Uh, the idea that <clears throat> God is our Father and he loves us and just like we want our children to avoid destructive things and involve themselves in things that are productive and positive and helpful and loving and kind and all those kind of things, God's the same way. And so as he is leading and guiding us by his Holy Spirit who lives within, through the Word of God, the Bible, and the things that he speaks to us by the Spirit, he is encouraging us to live the way he lives. And that's very important. And he says, the next phrase is, walk in love. Because literally everything about God that is expressed in everything he does throughout all of creation, and especially in us, is wrapped up in this concept of love. 
It's wrapped up in the fact that God is love and he's always loving. And so if we're with him and he is with us, if he is in us and we are walking alongside him, if you will, or walking with him, all the words we try to use to describe this relationship, which is really difficult because he's actually inside. And so as he is living, our acts of faith are actually cooperating on the outside with what he is doing on the inside. So that when he speaks loving and honest and truthful words to other people, that's what comes out of our mouth. And it says we're to do this just as Christ also loved us. We looked at several weeks ago, I think it's been about eight weeks back, maybe long, maybe twice that far back, how Christ, when he lived on earth, he talked about he, how he did nothing of his own initiative. He only did what he saw the Father doing. He only spoke words, he said, that I heard the Father say, what the Father is saying. And so he lived a life of faith, trusting his Father to such an extent that whatever the Father was doing and saying, that's what we saw Jesus do and heard him say. All right, so this imitators of God, this is the words that he's giving us to point us in the right direction about what he wants from us. Now, when we get into the part here where he talks about avoiding immorality and impure impurity and greed and idolatry and all that, uh, we're going to talk about how it's important to realize that if you focus on the bad, sometimes that becomes our target. Okay, so remember, it's always about you and I as God's child learning from our Father, not in a classroom somewhere so we can go out and figure out how to apply this ourselves, but learning from him in the moment. What is he doing? What is he saying? Uh, with the backdrop of scripture and things we have learned that make it easier to recognize things that are not consistent with his character. Okay, so if our focus is on him and rather than the evil or the bad or the unproductive or the destructive thing that's trying to get our attention, I like, uh, I saw a show one time, I think it was Frazier, and he and his brother were going to get in a, were in a bicycle race. And the brother, to throw Frazier off track so he could beat him, said, whatever you do, don't run into that big blue mailbox over there. And what happened was every time Frazier would see one going down the street, he would run into it. Because you tend to run into what you're looking at. I ride bicycles and motorcycles myself, and it turns out if you are headed towards an obstacle in the road, you need to look away from the obstacle because the motorcycle or the bicycle will go where you're looking a lot easier than it'll, than it'll go away from where you're looking. So don't focus on the obstacle, focus on the path you wanna go on. You know, that's called target attraction, all right? So we tend to follow our focus. So it's important that we focus on the Father and the Son and let the Holy Spirit keep our focus in that direction. 
And what he's going to help us do, partly by pointing out the things we're to avoid, is he's pointing out the things that are inconsistent with who he is. Um, it's important to realize that um, I won't know what's inconsistent with him if I don't know him. Okay, so we're back to something we talked about several times in the last weeks and years um, about getting to know God for who he really is and how important that is. Uh, years ago, one of the uh, youth ministers that I had in a church uh, spoke about <clears throat> visiting the, uh, I believe it was the Federal Reserve Bank, and they took a tour of the bank. You know, people will take you around and give you a tour. And uh, he, they came to this one area where the uh, people were, looked like they were counting money. But as they were counting really fast, just flipping through those bills, every once in a while they'd stop and they'd lay one bill off to the side and they'd go back to counting and they'd stop and lay another one off to the side. And he asked the tour guide, what are they doing? And he said, well, they're picking out counterfeit bills in the money that comes through here uh, because this, was, this wasn't new money, this was old money that was coming back to the Federal Reserve and they were picking out counterfeits. And he said, well, how in the world could they even see it? They're going so fast. And the tour guide said this, well, they have looked at real currency so long that anything that's not real really stands out. Because if all you do is study counterfeits, some of them are pretty convincing. And we think, well, this must be right because it, it looks a lot better than all the rest of them. But if you study the real ones all the time, then anything that's different really stands out. The feel of the paper, the color of the ink, um, whatever it is, something will stand out as not matching the truth of what the real dollar or the real bill looks like. Well, that's what it is for us and God. The more we focus on Him, the more things that aren't like Him kind of stand out pretty easily. Okay, if all we do is study all the bad things in the world, what happens is many times we begin trying to grade those things. Well, this one isn't as bad as that one and so on and so forth. And we get down to, well, these are pretty good. So we can kind of tolerate those, but we don't want those. And we're kind of like sorting through counterfeit bills when we need to be looking at the real ones and laying the worthless ones aside because the things of the world as far as us as children of God, is actually not of any value whatsoever. Uh, they don't help us in any way. They don't benefit us, even though they may look pretty good. So part of what I'd like to say today is about the fact that what God is doing when he's training his children is he's teaching us that we are to live according to the identity we have as his child. Let's go back to the beginning of our chapter here. He says, imitators of God as beloved children. Um, we are children of our Father. And there's so many passages that talk about this. You know, you shall be holy for I am holy. Well, who's he? Well, he's my Father. And so he is leading me to be like him the training program, the mentoring, and all that kind of stuff that he has for his children. And he tells us not to be partakers with them, people practicing all that evil we just read about a moment ago. Don't be partakers with them, for you were 
formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. All he's saying is be who you are. Well, I'm not sure who I am yet, but the Father does. In fact, he is what I'm becoming. I'm being conformed to his image. Bible talks about in Romans 8, 29. You know, the very beginning, we've made the point throughout all the teachings we do that God started by saying, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. So he's still on that. So he's saying, let's, let's live that way. Let's walk as children of light because you actually are light, he says here. And that is so exciting. You and I are not learning to become something we're not. We're learning how to be who we are. You know, like I've said many times, it, it, when you teach a child how to talk and walk, you're not making them human, you're revealing their humanity, the ability they have to do human things that they were actually born with. And when we were born again, we were born with the ability to do the things that God designed us to do, but not apart from him, but in conjunction and connection with him, so that as he is living, we are living. That's why Paul said in, Rome, in, excuse me, in Philippians chapter 3, we pointed out many times, that here he was, a really good Jewish person, you know, living a Pharisee life, which was a very outwardly righteous life, very meticulous about never doing something wrong, always doing something right. Of course, his hobby was murdering Christians. I don't know how he really justified that, but he felt like he was doing service to God. And the Bible says that the self-righteous will do those kind of things, think they're doing service to God when they kill somebody else who's not like them. So anyway, that's where he found himself. And then one day he realized that all of that was not of any value. It wasn't actually helping him. It wasn't making him righteous. And he said, I gave up all of that in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, but the righteousness from God on the basis of faith that I might know him. And so he realized that when he became to Christ by faith, and was given righteousness, the purpose of that righteousness he was given is that he might know God. There's no longer a barrier between him and God. He could know God. And it says that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and being conformed to his death that I may attain to the resurrection of the Lord. So he's saying, I want to live now as though I'm fully disconnected from the world and living only as a resurrected uh, member of the body of Christ. And he said, not that I've already obtained it or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He said, I realize I'm growing still. I'm not at that place where I always follow the Father by faith and always speak the words he's speaking, always do the things he's doing. But he said, I press on to make that my own. To one translation says, to lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of. God got a hold of me for a reason, and I want to get a hold of that reason. And what was that reason? That I might know him and live like him as a result of that knowledge. Not head knowledge off away from him, but knowing him in the moment. This intimate relationship where we walk together and talk together 
so in sync throughout my days that what other people see and hear is actually God. They're seeing him work and they're, seeing, they're hearing him speak. He's just using my body to do that as I surrender it and yield it to him by faith. Well, this is an exciting chapter. Yeah, he points out some of the stuff we're to stay away from. You know, when you see the big blue mailbox, don't focus on it. Focus away. Focus to where you want to go. When you see sin coming or that ornery behavior and negative whatevers and stuff you don't want to go down, the more you focus on it, the more you're going to wind up right in the middle of it. So you recognize it, you see it, but then you focus away on Christ. What is he doing in this moment? What is he saying to your enemy right now? What does he want to do for that person? He says, give him a cup of cold water. Do good to your enemies. Forgive those who hurt you. Okay, you focus on and all you see is the hurt. You focus on him and you see the forgiveness. And then that begins to come out of you, contrary to what the world teaches. Okay, so this is a great lesson. I hope it's been a beneficial to you, been beneficial to you. And we will pick up with uh, Ephesians 5, verse 11 next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you that uh, you haven't left us alone. You actually moved inside and you're teaching us who you are as our father, which tells us who we are as your child and leading us not to keep our fixed attention on the things that would lead us astray, but to fix our attention on you as you lead us in the paths of righteousness and being loving and kind to others and honoring you in all that we do. Father, lead us and guide us, help us to understand that and the simplicity of it, and to be able to relax and rest in you and just walk with you by faith each day. We pray in Christ's name, amen.